If you like the Live Wild podcast and enjoy hunting-related apparel, I've got you covered. I just launched some great t-shirts, hats, and sweatshirts under my own Live Wild brand. You can find them now on my website, remywarren.com. I just want to say thanks again, everyone, for all the support, and I really hope you enjoy these designs as much as I do. Who knows? Maybe you'll head over to my website and find your next lucky hat. I'm Remy Warren, and I've lived my life in the wild. As a professional guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days perfecting my craft. I want to give that knowledge to you. In this podcast, we relive some of my past adventures as I give you practical hunting tips to make you more successful. Whether you're just getting started or a lifelong hunter, this podcast will bring you along on the hunt and teach you how to live wild. This podcast is presented by Mountain Tough and Yeti. I partnered with Mountain Tough because a lot of the tactics and hunt styles I talk about in this podcast require you to be in the best physical shape you can. Their app is designed for hunters to get you ready for the backcountry or any hunt you have planned this fall. Yeti's been a longtime supporter of mine, and they make some of the toughest products out there that are built to last and they're built for the wild. Welcome back to the Live Wild podcast, everyone. I hope you guys have been enjoying the podcast lately. Uh, you know, a lot of Western big game seasons are starting to kick off. A few archery pronghorn hunts, um, some early season mule deer hunts. I actually just got back uh, yesterday from a pronghorn hunt with my wife. She had an archery antelope tag and took her first antelope with a bow. It was an incredible hunt. And I'll definitely share that story sometime here in the near future. But I think for a lot of hunters, with September almost here, a lot of people are going to be starting to think about archery elk season. So this month, I want to dedicate the podcast. We're going to just call it Elk Month. And we're going to walk through tips and tactics from calling and vocalization to glassing tactics and really diving into behavior and strategies from the first week of the season to the last. The goal is going to be to equip you with the necessary knowledge to bring home an elk this season. You know, one of the questions that I get asked a ton is, when's the best week to chase elk? And as a full-time elk guide, we would actually run hunts every week of the season. So from the 1st of September all the way through the first couple weeks of October. And looking at that over the years, we've honestly averaged the same pretty much success from the beginning of the season all the way to the end. And the reason being is that there are different things happening as the season progresses and each week has its advantages and disadvantages. So really by matching the tactics to your specific hunt conditions uh, and just really looking at that behavior, every week can be just as productive. You really just have to find the correct combination of tactics. Uh, what I do on a hot day, say the first week of September, is going to be completely different than what I might be doing maybe three weeks later when it's peak full-on rut. So we're going to really dive into a week-by-week, week, exploring the advantages and disadvantages of each, and then just drawing out the best tactics for the scenarios you're going to encounter. So this week, we're going to be looking at early September. We're going to find out what the bulls are doing and some ways to take advantage of those opening week bulls. But first, let's share a story of a hot opening week and a bull that fell victim to my calls. When we think about elk hunting in September. You know, September's, there's a lot of time. September 1st, some seasons start all the way through the end of September. Some seasons even go, you know, the first week in September all the way through the uh, first couple weeks in October when it comes to archery seasons. And you know, I think that the beginning of September is kind of in many ways that sleeper time 
Uh, I've actually shot my biggest bull elk ever during the first couple days of September. And as a guide, you know, that, that could always be one of those weeks that I think a lot of other hunters struggle in, but we would find a lot of success. So uh, this story actually takes place um, that first week of September, I was guiding a hunter and it just happened to be like what happens many, many years is that first week, it was an early season. So it was like that first five to seven days in September and uh, it was just hot. You know, it was just something that happens the first week of September, but that doesn't mean that you can't find success. So I had this particular year put in quite a bit of scouting, just like every other year pre-September. So in the end of August and even a little bit during the summertime. And there was this one place that I found where it was, it was hot out. And even I found this actually spot in the end of June and the velvet bulls were coming in. It was like, open enough where I could glass because I was, I was thinking about, all right, well, they aren't calling. How do I scout? I, I like to scout by glassing. So as we rolled into the first week of September, I'm just taking that same tactic and saying, okay, I'm, I'm choosing my area based on the conditions, right? We'd thrown out some calls early in the morning and it just, the bulls were not being vocal. That doesn't mean that they weren't doing elk things. It doesn't mean that they weren't getting ready to rut, but where we were at, this just like, there was not a lot of that hinting toward that rut activity. So I said, okay, we're going to match the tactics to what's going on right now. And we're just going to go to a place that's a little more open. So we went to this burn area and a place that I'd scouted where it was a burn. Then there was this live timber and there's this little pocket in there. Um, I guess it was on the South side of the mountain. So it stayed more shaded and there was just a bunch of regen little conifers in there and a little bit of a, a water seep. So it was like, the elk could just go in there and they could plop down and the trees were about as tall as their antlers would be. And there was just completely thick little patch in this burn of like regrowth near the live pine. So there's live pines where they could duck over as it got hotter and they would just pretty much plop down into this spot. So the plan was we were going to start out there and just kind of start glassing and doing some calling. So we get up there, I've got my hunter with me and just bugling off in all directions pre-daylight and I thought I heard a bugle, like a, a real squealy bugle down below. But it was one of those things where you're like, did we hear a bugle? Did we just hear some of the burnt trees rubbing together? It's like, what did we hear? So I just kept that in my mind. And we, we started as the day started to get a little bit later. It was probably like after sunup at this point. And I'm thinking, and I thought I heard a bugle down there. So we're going to just focus on this side of the mountain. And so we, we go down and get on this rock and just a good glassing vantage. And I, I throw out a few more bugles and, and don't really hear anything back. But that's not concerning to me at this point because I know that there's a really high likelihood that bulls, whether they heard it or not, might come in silent. And if they think that there's elk up in this little pocket where they had been using, it'd be a good way to draw an elk in. So sitting up there glassing and down in the bottom on this ridge out in the burn, I catch a bull pop up. It wasn't a big bull, just a, a younger bull, but we were just looking for a bull. So uh, I thought, game on, a bull by himself. And just by having that little bit more open country, I said, okay, this is uh, definitely huntable. And it looked like he was kind of making that beeline to where we were. He was still a ways away, but I thought, this is a bull we can call in if we play it right. So I let out a few bugles up where we were, and I'm like, we got to go. We got to go fast, and we got to get into position because if we time it right, we can 100% kill this bull. He's going to come in. So 
I bugle up on the top and then we just like hustle down. As soon as he goes over into a little dip, we make a fast play to knob, I would say like halfway, maybe even closer to where he's at. And I wanted to get there like now. I wanted to be at that spot when when that bull disappeared. So he disappears and we just start hustling down the mountain. Maybe, I don't know how far, it's probably 1,100 yards, something like that. So um, a little less than a mile. And uh, we, we get in onto this knob and we can't see over the edge. So I'm like, let's get just get set up. It's in a burn. So uh, the guy sets up, there's this big burned out tree and he sets himself in front of it. And then I actually had a cow decoy, um, one of those, like Mon- I think it was a Montana decoy. And I'd run string through it so it could hang. So I set back into like a part of deadfall that was just, you know, a little bit thicker. And this is just a good open spot where I believe the bull could pop up. And when he pops up, in order to see what's on this knob, right, he's going to have to pop up to come investigate. So it's also open enough where if he pops up and doesn't see anything, I'm not sure whether he's going to commit. So I put that decoy up and then uh, drop back to call. And I believed that he was going to come up from one direction. So the hunter is in between where I think the bull is going to come up. So I just start calling and instead of throwing out any more bugles, I just think it's a solitary bull. He thinks that there's elk up here. I'm just going to give him a little cow whispers just to, just to draw him to our location, let him come in. And he's, he was a smaller bull. I thought he's not going to bugle back. He's not going to be real aggressive, but he is going to be curious. So just start meow, meow, meow. Couple cow calls, couple cow calls, nothing. But I believe that the bull can hear him, and I think that this bull is going to come in silent, so we're just going to sit and wait because we've got a really good setup and scenario. So, and then all of a sudden I see antler tips pop over the knob. The bull's like looking, and he's super cautious looking, looking, and I think the way that the trees are and that decoy was set up, he couldn't fully see the decoy. So he hears a few cow calls, and I'm probably, I don't know, 10 maybe 20 yards behind the decoys. So I've got the decoy in between me and the elk. And so he's coming in and then he finally catches a glimpse of that decoy. And it's like, okay, I'm going to commit. So he starts walking in. I draw him right past the hunter. The hunter comes to full draw, gives it a, I think he'd give it a grunt or a cow call. And then lets the arrow fly. Perfect pass through. The bull runs off over the edge and we have ourselves an opening week bull the one thing that i really love about chasing bull elk in september is the fact that you can use just so many different tactics right and i think the best way to kind of find that continual success no matter which week you're hunting because you're gonna if you're first time elk hunter or a long time elk hunter you're definitely going to resonate with this for sure is things change very fast especially during September, right? The weather conditions change. The, you know, you can have what I would consider like an early rut or a later rut. Uh, You can have elk that are really fired up in your area and you can have areas where they are not fired up at all. And so it's really important to understand, well, what's going on here right now? And why are these elk doing what they're doing? And then what's something that I can exploit? So I think that the the first thing is just really understanding the behavior of the elk. Before we do that, I just want to talk about some of the advantages and disadvantages of that first part of the season. So maybe you've got, and, and some seasons you actually start in the end of August. So you've got maybe let's call it like mid to end of August through the first week or so of September. So 
you know, what we've got is we've got a couple of advantages if that's the season that you have. One of them being, and the thing that I really kind of key in on is you get a first crack at the elk, right? When it's opening week, you're probably going to be the first hunters chasing them and they haven't been chased for a while. A few other things that you might do is you might encounter single bulls. Uh, another thing is, another advantage is, single or larger bulls that might be solo and then maybe those elk are in areas that you might have scouted earlier and sometimes those elk can be more tied to water now some of the disadvantages of finding that first week is you're going to get into some hot weather or more likely that you're going to run into hot weather uh, which can cause sluggish calling and rutting activity or you might even just find sluggish calling and rutting activity anyways um, it's it's not real easy to locate elk if they're not vocal and then you're more likely to encounter wildfire smoke. And sometimes it uh, could be considered disadvantages. The big bulls might not be with the herd. So let's just really dive into the behavior this time of year and why those things are the way that they are. So it, when that first week of the season rolls around, it can you can range from bugling bulls and posturing elk, right? Like full-on rutting activity to quiet mountains. Like the, there is that definite range but overall like if i was just to say what are elk doing during the beginning of september end of august is the big bulls are particularly not with the herds then it's just like any rutting animal right if you think about the mule deer rut it's the little ones that come in first and get things started and then the bigger more mature animals move in later once everything's rounded up when the it's closer to the females actually going into estrus so one of the nice things about early season is the big bulls might be pulled off from the herds, which is actually a great time to kill a big bull. If I was to pick the two best times to kill a big bull, like a, the most mature elk in an area, it's probably going to be the first part of the season or the last part of the season. And it's because those big bulls are pulled away from the herds. Not that you can't call them out of a herd and not that it isn't easier to locate them when they are mixed in with that heavy rutting activity, but they're most... I would say most advantageous for the hunter to take with multiple methods of hunting early and late because when they're by themselves, they're extremely stockable. And when they're by themselves, they're extremely callable. So I think that that's probably a really good tactic to key in on when it comes to the behavior of elk in that season. Now, another thing is those bigger bulls are probably more closely tied to their summer patterns. So if you had a chance to scout, you're going to come into the season with an advantage because they're probably more likely to be in those areas where they were earlier in the season, right? Now, there's a couple different things that elk start to do. So as the rut starts to kick off, what's going to happen? Well, the cows are going to start to group up and bulls are going to start to gather cows. They're going to start to gather harems. What generally happens is it's the immature bulls that start to gather these harems. Now, there are exceptions, right? Like, you can talk about anything, but things change with weather, things change with seasonality, things change with the year prior when the calves dropped and the type of winter and all those things, right? So timing can be very variable uh, from year to year, but this is just an overall, like think about it like, I don't know what they do, the stock market where they're like, yeah, you have highs and lows, right? But over the course of a lifetime, there's certain averages. And over the course of the lifetime of elk, there's certain averages of, Earlier in the season, the bigger bulls are more solitary, and then the, the smaller bulls are going to start to round up those cows. And what you're going to do is you're going to see uh, cows that are, I would consider, let's call them like home range cows or home range elk. 
uh, elk that maybe aren't as transitional, they're going to start to kind of group up in their areas. And if you've got cows and smaller bulls together, whatever, they're going to start to get active in those areas. But maybe those bigger bulls are still up in the higher country of a unit or in, if it's a transitional unit where they move in, maybe those bigger bulls haven't even moved into the staging area where a lot of the rutting activity is going to take place later on. So that's something to key in on. So when it comes to this time of year, let's start to look at some of the, the ways that I take advantage of those advantages. Uh, when it comes to hunting earlier season elk, I actually like to pick my spots based on the tactics that I'm going to employ. I think one of the advantages to early season is the fact that elk might be in that more open country because it's got that good feed when they're growing their antlers, their summer patterns. They're more in the open high country. They might be gravitating toward those burns. And then if it's just those localized elk, they might actually be in those more south-facing slopes, good feed areas of the cows at least. So I'm actually going to start my hunt gravitating toward the more open country this time of year because it allows me two advantages. It allows me the ability to glass and it allows me the ability to kind of cover more country looking for a smaller thing, right? If you've got just a solitary bull, he's very hard to find because he's by himself. Whereas when you got a herd of 100 elk, that's pretty easy to find. They make noise. They're all over the place. All you have to do is spot one and you spot them all or you know, know where they're at. When you're looking for a solitary bull or maybe a group of bulls, uh, it's a lot harder to find. So if you gravitate toward those areas where it's a little bit more conducive to glassing, then you're going to set yourself in an advantage. One of the things that you're going to find early season is you know the main detractors from the kind of action you're going to have is that hot weather also those forest fires you can have two completely different opening weeks in september one can be just full-on rut action and that generally comes with colder weather early in september the temperature really dictates a lot of the rutting activity and that's whether you're hunting in a hot area or a, like further north in a colder area if you have more mild weather it's just you know they're going to be more active because it takes a lot of energy for bulls to run around to start rutting they get hot they're wearing a giant fur coat elk are always hot anyways so when you mix in a little bit of extra heat it makes it very hard for them to want to run around all day. So they're going to be more active early mornings, late in the evenings, and kind of docile in the middle of the day. But if you got that cold weather, then our, our tactics can kind of change a little bit, dictating what the elk are doing when they're doing it. Now, outside of that, I would say there's a few things you can do um, that are going to be super effective when it comes to calling this time of year. So when we think about calling this time of year, we got to think about the behavior of the elk that we're hunting. So we're either hunting bulls that are kind of off on their own, like they just aren't necessarily ready to commit to a herd, as well as those bulls that are just starting to kind of gather up cows. They might not be as receptive to calls this time of year, but they will still call. I've actually bugled in bulls, like with a challenging bugle raking and the whole thing as early as August 25th. So it is possible, right? But I do find that a certain type of calling tactic and matching what's going on with the behavior of actual elk in the wild is going to be your best bet for success. So when it comes to calling first part of the season, there's a few kind of calls that I really think about employing first. The first, I always use that location bugle. That's going to be your just kind of single note drawn out. I'm over here because that's what 
younger bulls are going to be doing, trying to gather up cows. And you'll even find those mature bulls that are by themselves just bugling because what they're doing is they're just trying to take inventory. They're like, what's around? What am I going to do? They will definitely check out elk. It doesn't mean that they're going to try to expend their energy uh, running a herd, right? So they might be like, oh, where are the elk at? Cows, if you want to come to me, I'm over here. I'll check you out. Maybe you're going to be ready to breed. That's awesome. That's super easy for me. Let's go. That's just, that's just what they're doing. So they will bugle and they will respond to bugle. So first thing in the morning, pre-daylight, the coolest parts of the day, uh, generally it's going to be the morning. The morning is going to be your best bet. You're going to get the most activity early uh, or early in the season in those morning hours because sometimes the afternoons can get pretty hot, although they will throw out those bugles later in the day too. The mornings are going to be where your most of your calling success is found. So we're going to throw out some location bugles and use that to try to locate elk that we can't see. One of the calls that works really well this time of year is going to be your cow calls. So if you are like, hey, I'm not a real good bugler. I don't really uh, trust my bugle. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I've got a couple cow calls I can throw out because there are a lot of different varieties of cow calls that pretty much anyone can use. This is a good time for you because you've got a lot of tactics that work to the, your style of hunting, which can be cow calling as well as trying to locate elk by glassing. The reason cow calls work really well is because you can use it to your advantage for two different kinds of elk. You can use it for those immature bulls. Essentially, the story that I told was a young bull. I've got video somewhere. If I can find it, I'll try to make a little something quick. But the bull was interested in investigating cows. One thing you'll find is those immature bulls probably will not be vocal and responsive to your calls. So that's why I try to pick those areas where I can glass because if I can see a bull and know that a bull is coming to my calls or see a bull's in an area, I can assess whether he's alone. And if he's alone, then I know those cow calls are probably going to be 75% uh, accurate at drawing that bull in, maybe even greater. So by picking the area and then using the right calls, it's going to be a really good way to draw those bulls in. When I'm using those cow calls, I'm generally just thinking of, when I call, I like to just put myself in the mindset and the herd of an elk. And that time of year, I'm just going, like, we're just a group of cows that are minding our own business and just kind of talking back and forth. So a little bit of lost cow, calf sounds, like cows talking back and forth to each other, not really trying to draw a bull in. I don't, I'm not really throwing out those estrus wines or those fighting cows. I'm just kind of going... Meow, meow, meow. Just some basic little bit of cow talk. And if they aren't necessarily receptive to that, then I can escalate and make it sound like more of a party. I, I like to call it the cow party where stuff's really going down. And if I can see the bull, I can see whether he's reacting to that. If I start to pick up the cow calls and start giving it more of a whiny sound and a bull starts to react to it, then I stick with it. I try to find that perfect combination of the bull that I'm calling to and what he likes for those scenarios. But for the most part, that cow calling is going to be really good. Now, when I'm set up doing cow calls, let's say I'm, I'm blind calling where I just, I don't know if a bull's there. It's like, I can't really see everything. I'm just going to sit there a little bit longer because I'm expecting wherever I expect that elk to come in from, he's probably going to come in quiet. Uh, one of the things that I definitely like to think about or do as well is if I can find a good glassing vantage where I can glass a little bit, I'm glassing and calling simultaneously. I'm killing two birds with one stone. There's been so many times where I've been sitting there glassing off in the distance and I have somebody hunting with me and I say, hey, your job is to be ready to be set up and just watching around us because we might 
call in a bull that's coming in quiet. So while I'm doing work glassing, you're doing work watching for an elk that comes in. There's been many times where I've been set up to glass and we've had a bull walk in to check out what's going on. So I use those glassing times as times to also, you know, kill two birds with one stone and make it a calling setup where I know I'm going to be sitting there for a little bit longer and give those silent bulls time to come in. Another really good time to call this time of year is for bedded bulls. And this is actually how I killed the biggest bull I've ever taken. It was the third, I think it was the third of September. I've told the story before and there's a video of it on YouTube channel, but essentially what happened was the, the bulls were actually pretty cranked up. They were, they were rutting earlier or definitely beginning to posture, but there was a lot of bulls by themselves. The bigger bulls were bugling first thing in the morning and then shutting up. We got some good activity, some good responses, but then it just like goes quiet. And my thought was, okay, well, what we're going to try to do is strike up a bedded bull. And that's essentially going through thicker timbered areas because it's hot. They're going to be in that real thick shaded canopy. But when they hear other elk moving through their area, it's all they can do to not come investigate. And I've had a lot of success moving through those kind of thicker areas, mid-morning, midday, throwing out calls. And I'm going to be calling a little bit more often here because not because they really like a lot of calling. It's because as I move through this stuff, my calls don't travel very far. And we talked about sound earlier in uh, an earlier podcast and how sound travels. So I think this is a really good time to review that podcast if you get a chance. Um, because as we move, the, the elk, in order to respond to your call or to come into your call, he first has to hear it. And if he can't hear it, it's no good for anyone. So what I'm doing is as I'm moving, if I believe I'm not covering it well with my sound, I keep throwing out different sounds. I'll use a combination of light bugles and cow calls. And those bugles are more just like, hey, I've got, maybe it's a younger bull that has cows that probably shouldn't have. And what you're going to get is you're going to get a bigger bull to just come investigate. Another thing is you could just act as cows moving through. And if you get within range of a bull that's bedded, a lot of times it's going to be a single bull by himself. And this will probably be a more mature bull. He's going to get up. You'll pro he'll probably make a bugle like, hey, cows, I'm over here. And then continue that cow calling sequence to help draw him to your location. So instead of going to him, you want him to come to you because it's just a lot more advantageous to be set up and ready for that bull to come in. So we're going to then throw out those cow calls, those mews, and maybe even a little bit more responding to that specific bull. So when that bull bugles from his bed or wherever, then I switch up the cow call to maybe that more long drawn out sound that bulls really like. It's almost like a cow talking back to a bull. I'm just doing these with my voice. I should have grabbed this set of calls today, but I think using the calls with this microphone just blows it out. So you can get the idea. Just a... And hopefully that bull's bugling back and forth and we're going to get set up and ready because he might bugle once and then come in or he might bugle bugle again. So uh, it just depends how that bull's acting, but cow calls, moving and calling can be extremely successful this time of year, even during the middle of the day. When you think all the action and activities done, early season, middle of the day bedded elk can actually be an extremely successful way to draw elk to you, especially when you're trying to target those, like those single bulls that are kind of off on their own and are just going to want to come in and investigate. A lot of the elk that we kill this time of year 
are investigating elk. They aren't elk that are committed. They're just elk that are committing to investigating, if that makes sense. So when you think about it, wrap your mind around that. It's like, hey, I got a call to this elk to make him curious to come investigate what's going on. But I would say calling to a lone bull can be the most effective way to call in a bull. When you've got a lone bull, it's very likely that that bull is going to come into your setup. You know, I think a lot of people think about calling and like, oh, I can't call in an elk. Well, it's because they're calling to elk that have hundred cows. It's very difficult to make that elk be like, Hey, I want to go 800 yards over there and just see what's up. That just doesn't happen. Uh, so you really understanding the behavior of what's going on and what tactics to use when can be extremely successful. Now, a thing that I really like about this first season is if you have the opportunity to scout, right, you have the opportunity to target specific elk. And this is where the guys that live in an area uh, can take advantage of the beginning of the season, whereas guys that are traveling, it might be a little bit more difficult. But if you can go a few days, even just a little bit before the season or whatever, you know, you're able to kind of pinpoint those areas where the bulls are hanging out and then target those elk actually as soon as that season starts. You know, with the Montana season, um, it actually goes like, it alternates because it's the first whatever Saturday in September. So some years it's early as the, it could be as early as the first. And some years it can be as late as I guess the seventh or eighth or whatever. Sometimes the 10th, I don't know how they said it, but anyways, opening day can be early or late. Now when it's early, I actually really always liked those seasons because it allowed me to really pinpoint those bulls that we have targeted early in the season and now actually what i try to do with when we're guiding is we always give the guides a week to hunt for themselves so the first week of the season is actually when we hunt for ourselves because it allows us to target maybe some bulls that we had found um and the guides really like that as well but uh you know target some bulls that we've found and use those kind of tactics of like okay we get back in the high country and we're, we're pinpointing maybe a bull that we've been watching during the summer and then trying to draw them in. One of the tactics that I use a lot is just getting into those areas where a known bull's been, trying to exploit his patterns, and and then throwing out those cow calls and doing that that light calling to try to just get him to come investigate whether I can you know put eyes on him that time or not. Another nice thing about the early season is the fact that they can be a little bit more tied to water depending on the temperature. So you know, maybe you've got an area where you're allowed to put trail cameras out and you've got trail cameras and you've got a bull coming into, you set it up on a wallow, right? And a lot of people might think, oh, well, wallows, they're going to wallow when it's hot. And that's not necessarily the case. A wallow is, is a perfume station, not necessarily a cool down station. But when it's hot, they use them as cool down stations as well as uh, places to drink. So those areas where water is, is going to attract cows, it's going to attract bulls, and they're going to water more often. When it's a really hot hunt, I target two areas. I target areas where I know that there's good water sources, and I target those areas where I can glass a little more effectively. So if I was to build out a hunt plan, let's say you're jumping in with me first day of the season, here's how I'm going to play it out, right? If I had time to pre-scout and I know that there's good bulls in a certain area, I'm going to gravitate toward that area. Uh, I'm going to pick an area where first thing in the morning, I can do a little bit of calling, throwing out location bugles and try to just identify where the elk are at. Then whether I see them or not, sometimes you hear an elk and you just, it's not an area where you can see whether I see them or not. Now I know, okay, I can hunt this area. If I don't see the bull, I'll probably use the more like uh, still hunting 
calling to a bedded bull tactic. If I do see the bull, then I'm going to assess, okay, what kind of tactics can I use? Is he in an area where I can just watch him bed and go stalk him? Or is he in an area where, okay, now I can use those cow calls like in the story to draw that bull my location? Is it a bull that's cruising by himself? And I know if I get in the right position, cut him off and start throwing out those cow calls, I'll be able to draw him in. And, and that's kind of how I think about early season hunting. You know, you might not get that full-on bugle fest, crazy red action that everybody dreams about. But it can also be actually a more successful time in many ways to find and locate mature bulls and get them to commit to your setup. It can also be a really good way to trick bulls that maybe aren't even mature bulls. Maybe you're just saying like, look, dude, I want to be successful targeting an elk. Now, the days are going to seem longer. They might be slower. But also, depending on the weather, you could get a day that fires it up and the elk start calling more. And you're the first person in there to start exploiting that where they haven't seen all the tricks they haven't been run around by all the hunters and they aren't locked into their big groups yet they aren't so committed to the group that they won't come away or 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 be pulled away and called away so early season can actually be a really good time to call bulls it can be a time to target bulls that you found while scouting and it can be a good time to call to those solitary bulls that haven't joined up with the group yet. So I think that if you're looking or planning a hunt for that first week of September, it can be a really good time. And it can be a great time for those of you that maybe you're like, hey, I don't I don't really feel like I'm going to be able to bugle bull away from a herd. I, my, I don't think that my calling's up to it yet, but I do know how to glass. I do know how to do a cow call. This could be a good time to target elk that time of year. I personally am getting pretty fired up to go chase up to bugle to some bulls. And next week, we're going to start to talk about targeting those grouped up elk. Those, as we go from elk that are kind of starting to gather their groups to the more like pre or peak rut where they've started to gather their harems and things are starting to go off. They're going to start to go into that breeding mindset. And this is when you get those vocalizations. This is when you get those screaming bulls. This is when you get that like high octane elk hunt, right? The thing that really draws people to elk hunting. So we're going to start talking about what to do in those scenarios, some of the calls that you can make, and then some of the ways that you can kind of take advantage of targeting elk in those frenzied up groups, as well as maybe targeting some of those more mature bulls, even though they've got their harem. So that's going to be next week. We're going to just really dive into that. Uh, if you guys have any questions or whatever, when it comes to elk hunting, I, I go through you know, social media, Instagram at Remy Warren, you can shoot me a message. A lot of times I'm looking at them while I'm traveling or whatever. So I definitely take note of the messages and then just, uh, I try to re reply to a lot of them. But if you've got tactics, that you want talked about or like questions. It always gives me a good idea to know what people are concerned about. And I can kind of add that into the podcast as we go. So make sure to shoot me those messages. As always, feel free to drop us a rating, leave a comment wherever you subscribe. And if you don't subscribe, please subscribe. It, it definitely helps us out, um, helps us continue doing what we're doing. And one of the other things, you know, uh, we've got some great companies that work with us and pretty much to the companies that have said, hey, we want to support your podcast is just because they came to us and they're like, we just really want to get this information out to hunters. So I always try to, you know, give them a little bit of uh, support as well. One of the companies that really supports us is Stone Glacier. Um, they support us because it's a great company 
stuff that I love, whether they worked with us or not, it's the packs that I'd be using because they're so awesome. Um, but I figured because we were talking about elk week tactics, you know, I did get a lot of questions uh, after the gear thing of like, hey, I'm going on an elk hunt. What pack do you suggest? My go-to pack is the Sky Talus 6900. The reason for that is um, I think it has just the right, like I like the pocket configuration, but I also think it's the right amount of size for going in for those. I mean, I've done as many as a 15-day hunt in that pack. Sometimes I wished I had a little more room, but it's only because the food and stuff takes up so much room. So what I do if I need a little more room is I'll pull the pack away and I'll use, I'll put my food between my load shelf as I'm moving from spot to spot in one of their um, dry cell bags. So it's actually a really easy way to hang it in grizzly country as well. So I just keep all my food in that. But the thing I like about the Sky 6900 is it's really good for, you can compact it down if you're just day hunting or going in for a couple days as well. And then it's got enough room for packing out so I can actually fit my gear and then I pull it away from the frame, throw some elk quarters in there and get to packing the bull out. So that, that's my go-to pack. I, it's on the X-Curve frame, which fits really well, super comfortable. It's a lightweight pack, so you aren't throwing in a bunch of extra weight into the pack, but I've carried out some extremely heavy loads with that pack and had nothing but uh, good reviews about it. So that's my setup for that. I think they've got free shipping right now. If you guys want, you can use code LIVEWILD for free shipping. So it's kind of like Amazon Prime, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but a lot of times they have free shipping orders as well, so whatever. But if you're interested in that, that's something to check out. Thank you guys so much for supporting this podcast, you know, listening in. And feel free to share it with your elk hunting buddies so you all get on the same page for the tactics. Really looking forward to diving into elk this month. I hope you guys enjoy it. And until next week, let's just say match your tactics to the bulls. I think that's the big takeaway here. Match the tactics to the behavior. Catch you guys next week.